You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, QSR Web Editor, Shelley Whitehead, and I am amped up to say we've got some great guests today, beginning with the four-year-old California chicken brand that dares to put fried chicken out there as a helpful option at least in the way it fries and grills it. It's the appropriately dubbed QSR Starbird, of course, a kind of living, breathing manifestation of the restaurant incubation company behind it, the Culinary Edge. So that's where we're beginning today with Starbird CEO, Aaron Novishin, who joins us. And welcome, Aaron. Thank you very much, Shelley. Great to be here today. Delighted to have you. Now, this may sound kind of weird, but I feel like I'm revisiting an old friend because when I started at this publication, Starbird's origination story was one of the first I covered four years ago. And I remember being really hyped up about the whole idea behind how Starbird approaches chicken. So tell us about that and just how you how you knew to go with a chicken concept years before this whole QSR chicken craze really got going in earnest? Well, it really just started um, as, as an offshoot to the culinary edge. And so I, I think I really need to share a bit about the culinary edge to get an understanding of how Starbird began. So the culinary edge is a leading food and beverage innovation agency based in San Francisco, California. And we work with 25% of the top 200 restaurant chains globally, seven of the top 10, and we've been doing it for about 18 years now. I also am a consummate entrepreneur. I started a restaurant chain called World Wraps back in the 90s. We were a hot concepts winner back then. I also am the co-founder of Pacific Catch Restaurant. So I, I'm a consummate restaurant entrepreneur, and I have an innovation agency because I, I just love to solve problems uh, and um, convert people's inspiration into actionable concepts. And so the team here at the Culinary Edge has been helping many other restaurant companies over the years, and we realized it was time for ourselves to walk the talk, right? Not just uh, help others, but actually show that we know how to create and build a great brand and use it as an incubation space for the work that we do uh, for our clients. And in addition to starting a brand, it allowed our team members to own a piece of something and know what it means to be an owner operator and not just a armchair advisor. Uh, it also got our company out of the dollars for hours business and really be able to build a growth company. So that was kind of the, the why we started to do it. Why chicken? Well, we've been analyzing the restaurant business for many, many years. We had seen the rise of beef and the burger uh, growth that happened a decade before. And we said, what's next? And we went out and did a bunch of research um, in how we look into the marketplace, looking at what's happening in the blogosphere, looking at what chefs are doing, looking at menu items, looking at how we were getting excited about food. And we really started to see chicken emerging uh, in, in choice areas around the country. It was one of several ideas that we saw um, 
building. And we actually, Straw Man created two different concepts. Uh, one was in the QSR chicken space, and the other was actually how to reinvent family dining because it was a segment that really needed to be reinvented. And there's actually a third one, which was about casual Mexican, which as you can see, a lot of the kind of cool taco concepts that have emerged over the last five years, that was a space we saw as being an opportunity. Uh, we took these ideas out to the investment community and it was pretty resounding the acceptance and excitement that people had over our idea around Starbird, which was really reinventing the fast food experience from an ingredient and product standpoint, from a convenience standpoint, and from a design aesthetic. Uh, ultimately, we wanted to take all the bad things away from fast food and reinvent them all around the idea of it, it, in a, utilizing a protein being chicken, which is the the most eaten and fastest growing protein in the marketplace. That's really where we began. So, um, wow, that's a lot of history and a little bit of time. So kudos to you for kind of squeezing all that in there. But um, have you, I mean, I guess at this stage of the game, do you feel like you've really executed on that goal of creating a fast food restaurant chain that that delivers on helpful i guess or on quality um because fast food industry has taken a real beating you know repeatedly over the last several decades sure and you know when we started starbird we we had to say what is our perspective on health what is our perspective on quality right because every every restaurant concept has a positioning around it. We don't want to be called a healthy fast food restaurant. Um, we have customers who say, well, you're, you're always healthier than somebody and you're always less healthy than someone else. And, and so it, it depends on where health is on the spectrum. We like to ensure that people have options for the way that they define health. So for example, if you are gluten-free, you can eat our chicken tenders. And if that's important to you, that's, that's um, we can fulfill that health need. If you don't eat fried food and want grilled food and think that that's a better um, and lower fat, um, high protein forward approach to food, we offer that. We have vegetarian options. So it's not that, you know, first we're a bunch of chefs. So deliciousness always wins, period. And you can make delicious food as healthful or as unhealthful as you like. We've learned over time. And so that's our, our general approach. We, we didn't say we want to be a healthy fried chicken restaurant and we don't describe ourselves as such. We describe ourselves as, as being positively delicious, right? And positivity to us is about making a difference in our community, making a difference in our team, making a difference in the environment uh, through the ingredients we, we use because we, we literally use all fresh ingredients, right? We are making 100% of our sauces in-house every day. We are cutting all the vegetables, pickling vegetables, roasting vegetables in our restaurants every day. Uh, we are baking bread in-house, so we have fresh baked bread for our sandwiches. And so to us, like the quality of the ingredients is not just, we're not just not talking about it, we're showing it, we're doing it, we're making a difference where we as chefs who have started this company believe the culinary quality is what makes a difference. All right. 
So now today you've got six locations. Is that, am I correct? Correct. We have three street side, which are brick and mortar restaurants. We have one restaurant at SFO, which is a licensed restaurant. We have one in the Levi's Stadium where the 49ers play and there are concerts. And we have one ghost kitchen. We are also currently under construction of three more restaurants, two more street side, one in Campbell, California, one in Walnut Creek, California, and a second ghost kitchen. We've teamed up with the Cloud Kitchen folks uh, for a location in Oakland, California. Okay, so let me ask you this, and and I called Starbird helpful because of the rice bran oil and all that kind of thing. So I'm probably going to go uh, do the same thing and 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 miss. Uh, give you a misnomer but no it's it's not a misnomer it's just I, I think that when you you can't you can call yourself healthy but generally when you call yourself something we'd like to show what 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 health means we we, we here at the culinary edge have a, an adage that says there's no universal definition of health if you have eight people sitting around the table and you say to that group hey who here eats healthfully and maybe six or seven of them raise their hand and then if you asked each one of them what does eating healthfully mean to you? One person's definition of how they eat healthfully may be a completely the opposite of someone who sits across the table. I mean, for my, myself, yeah, I mean, my wife, she has high cholesterol and she, she eats low fat and, and eats very um, low cholesterol type food, keeps meat protein down. I, on the other hand, carbohydrates don't, don't sit that well with me. I eat high, a lot of protein, fat's not a problem to me, healthy fats like avocado or, or different types of um, healthier oils are really good for the way I like to eat. And so we both feel we eat healthfully, but it, when she sees how I eat, she's like, I can't ever eat that, that's not healthy for me. So we wanna be respectful of each individual's way that they define healthy eating. So. So now today you've got six locations and uh, they're all in California at this point, which, you know, compared to some of these brands, like I'm thinking about Blaze Pizza that just zoomed up the hundreds of locations in what seemed like no time, Starbird has kind of taken its time to add stores. Why is that, particularly in a quick service environment that seems to just love rapid proliferation, I'll say that word, yeah, I mean, we didn't set out to say, oh, we want to grow and be a thousand restaurants. We, we, we set out to say, we want to create a great restaurant company. And we're also trying some things that others have not done before, and we need to learn along the way. So in our first year, we, we did half the amount of sales that we're doing now in our third year, right? So we've learned along the way about what resonates, what are the menu categories, we've, we've adjusted to the marketplace, and we're growing. We've grown every single year. And we're, like I said, we're at, we're going to add three more restaurants in the next five months is going to increase the size of the company by 50%. Um, we will be able to accelerate that growth dramatically in the coming years, but we've really wanted to refine and hone a model that is extremely exciting to the investment community while staying true to who we are and what we stand for. We don't want to grow just for growth's sake and just uh, you know, cookie cutter stamp stuff out to make a bunch of money. We want to grow a thoughtful company that's gonna be around for a long time, that's defensible, um, 
that is needing the mead states of many different types of consumers. And it's taken a lot of work to continue to refine that. Uh, we're at a point now, though, where I think we're, we're really hitting it on all strides. Our, our economic model is one that is exceptional. Our um, growth potential is also awesome in the omnichannels that we attack and that we're able to, to operate in. So this menu is all about chicken, like hot chicken, grilled chicken, fried chicken, fried chicken and salads, and I could go on. Um, and, and I'm wondering, did you have any uh, feelings kind of uh, about the risk of not offering more different types of protein choices like a burger? Uh, when you were thinking about this and moving through these past several years? Uh, it's a great, great question. Chicken is, like I said, the number one protein. Uh, people are eating upwards of 100 pounds of chicken per person per year, which is just an unbelievable amount of consumption. And it's something that people eat very frequently and in many different forms. So we we believe in being an expert and a specialist than being a generalist. And we found that chicken is a great product to be able to be eaten in different forms, right? You've got wings, you've got fried, you've got tenders, you've got um, boneless wings, um, you've got grilled and um, that type of thing. The only other protein that we've chosen to use is, 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 a, veg is a vegan product. And we, we're actually gonna be launching Garden Bird which is a, a trademark product that we've developed, which will be our plant-based protein that is for those who don't eat animal protein. And we find that here, particularly in California, in the Bay Area, but certainly nationally, uh, plant-based proteins are growing. And we found a product that we're excited about um, putting our signature sauces and putting between our fresh baked bread, that type of thing. Ooh, that's new. So um, when is that going to happen, if you could say? And who are you partnering with? Um, can say. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we're, we're not announcing who we're partnering with. We do have a supplier partner who's producing the product for us. And we'll be putting the product in test a little bit later this year. And then with the new year, we'll be launching system-wide. Well, something to look forward to. Um, now, you know, the elephant in the room here, maybe I should say the chicken in the coop because I'm the queen of queer um, turns of phrases, is that this pandemic and Starbird's adaptation techniques, tactics um, have worked pretty well, haven't they? So, so how did this brand flex to meet this restrictive restaurant environment? And what kind of success have you had? Yeah, I mean, what we're experiencing as an industry right now is is something I, in my close to 30 plus years in the industry, have never seen and hope to never see again. And I feel, you know, my heart reaches out to so many of the restaurants who've had to close, so many of the people who've got sick. You know, those are things that are, are truly tragic that um, is, and we're not out of the woods yet. So how we thought about it at Starbird is we said, okay, this, this is something that's real. This is something that is threatening to first and foremost, our people. Uh, and secondly, to our business, um, I would say secondly to our community and thirdly to our business. And so we as a team got together and said, we've got to stay very focused on um, filtering our decision-making in a way that everybody can be on board 
And so we, we narrowed it down to those three items. How does, it, how does this decision affect our people? How does this decision affect our community? And how does this affect, uh, decision affect our business health? And we, we've set up meetings every single day and we talked about those three topics. Um, and number one started with em employee safety and employee well-being. We were one of the very first restaurants to say, we do not want to allow customers walking in the doors of our restaurants. The science was telling us that transmission of COVID was happening in, in closed spaces, and that was the greatest threat. We're fortunate enough to do a lot of off-premise business. We rewired the POS systems in our restaurants. We moved them to the doorway. We had our uh, signage manufacturer create plastic barriers that you see everywhere. Um, and we set that up uh, in mid-March in our restaurants. So number one was keep our, our employees safe um, and keep our customers safe. And we found that our customers saw what we were doing before anyone else and said, this is a place that is paying attention. This is a place that is concerned with the well-being of its people and, and its customers. The second thing is we said to our team members, look, this is tough work. There are risks out there. We want to make sure that you and your families are taken care of. There were many of our team members who had uncles and brothers and roommates who were being laid off and were in need. So we ended up uh, implementing a raise for every one of our employees, not only line, but managers. We also um, gave every single one of our team members an extra meal to eat themselves or to take home to a family member or friend or to give to one of their coworkers. Uh, we still are, are giving those out today, every single day. Um, and we found that our team members really uh, felt good that we cared a, about their safety, and B, about their well-being. And it's really built a lot of camaraderie and care for that to then transfer to our community. Um, what we were finding in, in our team, uh, our, our marketing folks and communication folks, really said, hey, we've got to let the community know and message well what we're doing to take care of them and their safety along with our team members. So we messaged that well to the community. And then we acted. We said, okay, there are people, and we're, we're one of many who, who donated a lot of food, but we, we, we leaned in very hard to taking care of the community, bringing food delivery to all local hospitals, uh, taking care of the nurses. Um, and, and sometimes you get a call. It's like, hey, we're, we're over at SF General, and, and, and we heard you're doing this, and we think it's awesome. Uh, and, and we definitely spread the love of Starbird around to those who are on the front lines. And then finally, it's about business health, being very thoughtful about how the consumer's needs are evolving. So some customers want to get delivery. They don't want to leave their house. Other customers want to pick up food because they control it. They don't want it sitting in a delivery car driver. Um, other people um, want to take it to go and sit in the park. So we looked at all the ways and channels that people want to connect and get food and we made sure that we created a frictionless experience for them so that they could um, order food, receive food in the way that made them most comfortable uh, and fit their lifestyle. And how did they repay you? <laughs> I mean, well, how... they, they've repaid us well. I mean, we, we've done exceptionally well. I, I, I you know, we, we, we were trending positive comps to begin the year, um, but all through Q2 and, you know, through uh, period six of this year, we were up 
33% system-wide, uh, same source sales comps. And those since then have trended even more positively. We, we've been trending in the 50 to 60% of same source sales comps since then. So what we're doing is clearly um, resonating with our community and we don't take that for granted. And we just have a continual, relentless um, pursuit of, of, of innovation. And we, we haven't stopped. We've launched Boneless Wings recently. We've launched uh, another virtual brand. Um, we, we just, we continue to lean into ways in which we can connect to the community. And obviously, we've got to deliver on promise. So accuracy and quality of product are key. We've invested in those areas. We've We've redone the way that we um, uh, verify orders going out now to ensure that accuracy is occurring and that the customer's responding by, by buying a lot of chicken from us. And so for that, we're incredibly grateful. So then can you tell us a little bit about the growth trajectory, what you're planning, where you're going? Are you staying in California, that kind of thing? Um, and how fast? Sure. Means, so, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll likely double the size of the company in the next year to eighteen months, and it will be first and foremost in California. So as I mentioned, we have we're building three restaurants right now in Northern California. Next year we'll be entering Southern California, and that will be then Southern California is a is a very large market, and so that will be our next place of growth. And then from there, we're going to continue with um, ghost kitchen development, licensing development, and the potential of uh, taking on some franchise partners. Uh, we're right in the middle of uh, fundraising right now. We're, we're raising uh, like three to four million dollars to fund the short-term growth. Um, and we're doing that primarily with inside investors. Uh, Greg Dollarhide is a great financial partner, a great success story, and a great mentor to me. Uh, he's our lead investor, and we've got uh, a who's who of other folks in the restaurant industry and um, investment community who are a part of Starbird today. Um, and we you know, are taking on a few more over the next uh, 30 days to close this round out. And you know, we envision it being a hundred million dollar company with you know fifty to hundred restaurants uh, by twenty twenty four. Wow, <laughs> I'm trying to take notes as we go. <laughs> I, there's a lot to write down. Um, well, listen, uh, I, I have one kind of final question for you um because i can't let you go without getting your take on the whole hot fried chicken sandwich phenomena you proved yourself pretty clairvoyant on these types of things so where is this all headed in your opinion yeah you know it's a, it's a great question i i was uh, it makes when you ask the question you know, what's what's happening with hot chicken uh, we serve hot chicken I think we've got an incredible hot chicken. We do a we do hot chicken tenders. We do a hot chicken sandwich. We have just released hot chicken wings and and uh, Nashville hot boneless. Uh, our we actually um, serve what we call uh, hot bird, is the name of of Starbird's hot chicken, and it's a substantial part of our menu mix. Uh, 
it's not our number one product by any means, but is a, it is a substantial category for us. I think when I learned something back in the 90s, uh, I was a co-founder of a, a chain called World Wraps back then. And World Wraps is, does amazingly today. It's been uh, reinvented uh, in, in here in the Bay Area. But, but back in the day, a, a gentleman by the name of Malcolm Knapp, who I think is a, a great uh, seer and, and has great foresight in our industry, said, wraps are really going to be more of a, a, a menu category than they are going to be a concept. And I, I kind of feel the same way about hot chicken. Uh, the, the barrier to entry is too low. Uh, if you think about pokey places, you think about frozen yogurt places, uh, and it becomes ubiquitous. It's exciting for today because it's how hot can you go? There's a thrill seeker piece. There's a health side of it. There's a, a, a hip counterculture to it for today. And there's some great places, uh, you know, the Hattie B's of the world. Um, and, you know, I love them. And out, out of Nashville, um, some, some really cool brands have been doing it for a while. And, you know, in LA right now, I think there's 40 hot chicken brands. Um, there's not enough room for them all. And my, my long-term assumption on hot chicken is that a few of the brands will succeed and they'll, they'll do well. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's going to just be part of something. And, and the luster will in three to five years probably fade. And to us, it's a great flavor profile. It's a great delivery system for chicken. We're in the chicken business. And chicken's not, not, not decreasing. Chicken's going to continue to grow uh, from, and it has for the last 15 years and will probably continue to grow for the next because of both its health um, aspects, its uh, affordability. There's so many benefits to chicken in that way. And not to mention it's, it's delicious. And as we say, positively delicious. So that's our take. It'll, it'll always be on our menu. Um, but I, I don't know if it's uh, hot chicken concepts are diversified enough to uh, win the test of time. Tremendous. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you in five years and we'll see how that shakes out. <laughs> I could lay some money on it now. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there's, some, there's some great and smart people behind some of these hot chicken concepts. And I think being as, as adept and as thoughtful as they are, they will likely be successful, right? But, but there's going to be a lot of uh, collateral damage, I would say, in, in the Me Too folks. Aaron Novishin, CEO of Starbird, it has been an absolute delight to get to bounce some questions off you today. I certainly wish you tremendous success wherever the road leads in the future. And in our future, after this brief break, we're coming back to talk to custom culinary executive chef Michael Hornbach about perfecting plant-forward QSR menus. Stay with us. All right, now we are back, this time with one of the professionals from Food Service Culinary Flavor Provider, Custom Culinary, which many listening know for the company's assortments of sauces, bases, soups, and whole flavoring systems. And today, Custom Culinary Corporate Executive Chef Michael Hornback joins us to give restaurateurs fresh new ideas and innovations when it comes to creating and marketing 
prime plant-based fair at your QSR. And welcome, Michael, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Shelley. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's just kind of start out by having you tell us a little bit more about the whole language around plant-based eating, because there seems to be a whole bunch of ways to refer to this culinary center. You have things like plant-based, of course, then there's plant-forward and vegan, vegan, actually. I don't know why it came out vegan, but uh, vegan and vegetarian and flexitarian, and I know these aren't all interchangeable terms, so what are the differences? You know, it's interesting you ask because that question certainly comes up a lot. And, you know, first off, there are the five different areas, and I like to break it down like this. First off, plant-based. That's a term that refers to the actual ingredients themselves. Whether, you know, those ingredients are produce items like fruits and vegetables or perhaps whole grains, you know, beans and legumes, you know, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, oils. That, that's what that term actually is, is related specifically to the ingredients. Now, when we jump over to plant forward, plant forward is really, it refers to a style of cooking that emphasizes those plant-based ingredients, but it's not limited to them. Plant forward cooking can also include components of poultry, fish, small amounts of meat, but typically the plant remains the star of the show in plant forward cooking. And then you have the other three terms, vegan, vegetarian, and flexitarian. Vegan, of course, is no ingredients from animal products at all. And a vegetarian, it does not contain meat, poultry, or fish, but it could have some dairy, eggs, or honey, depending on the individual. But the flexitarian, which is the largest of the subset in the food service industry, they're, they're eaters that are focused on plant-sourced foods, but occasionally include the meat, the poultry, the fish, and even the dairy. And it's that flexitarian that is most closely aligned with the plant-forward cooking style that, that you know, incorporates the, the plant-based, plant-forward movement. Yeah, um, that tends to be what QSRs, the, the, the sector that QSRs are, are targeting, at least from my understanding. From, from your view, as someone who is, well, quite literally top of the food chain at Custom Culinary, what would you say is the main objective most operators are hoping to achieve when it comes to incorporating plant-forward foods into their menus? Well, in, in the operators that I've spoken with and in reviewing some of the industry data, what we're seeing is that primary objective is in and around the flexitarian, which I mentioned was that largest subset of customer that's out there. And they're looking um, the flexitarian, of course, is looking to eat less animal-based proteins, but the operator is, is looking to incorporate those sorts of uh, menu items on their menu for that largest subset, which is roughly 65% of the operators feel that way. Wow, that's 65%. I'll be darned. Yes. Um, all right. So I don't need to tell this audience but restaurant operators face huge numbers of challenges in day-to-day -day operations. So what do you feel some of the biggest challenges are when it comes to operators actually attaining their goals with plant-forward menu options? Well, in the discussions that we've had with our operators and through, through some of our calls that we've conducted, you know, there, there, there's, it's kind of split between a couple different things. So about 36% about or so of the operators are really looking for sourcing more sustainable ingredients and how can they do that uh, and support people with, that renew resources. 
And the other ones are incorporating and increasing that amount of vegetables in their current dishes that they have right now to, uh, to reduce the amount of animal proteins, have a nice healthy mix of vegetables to help meet that flexitarian uh, customer that's out there. So how important is it then to current operators in this COVID-19 environment to incorporate a more sustainable plant-forward menu into the lives of their brands and then to take that even a step further, exactly what are restaurant operators most interested in adding to their menus in this realm? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because, you know, COVID-19 has wreaked all kinds of havoc and there's no doubt about that. But one of the things COVID has shined a light on is pre-existing conditions of, of certain people uh, around the country. And those come to the forefront. So when, when you talk to operators about what are they going to do post-COVID-19 as they reboot their restaurants and, and come back online, a lot of them, you know, roughly 50, 56% of them feel that that incorporating a more plant-forward, sustainable menu is more important now than it ever has been before. But then there's also those operators, around 40% of them, are still think it's very, very important, but really not so much important, more important now than it was pre-COVID. But the majority, you know, 56% or so, are really on board with post-COVID-19 for those underlying conditions of their guests and, and how can we uh, feed the most healthy, sustainable foods. And, you know, and what they're, you talked about uh, what are they interested in incorporating. So when you're increased or when you're creating those menu items, it's all about boosting flavor. So flavor boosting ingredients that incorporate unique fruits and vegetables in nuts and legumes, whole grains, things like that. But those cooking techniques and those flavor boosting techniques in and around sauce reductions or infusions, you know, the addition of aromatics and spices and seasonings. So you can build flavors as, as you create the dish, you just build upon the flavors as the ingredients, you know, come into the dish and, and you end up with those nice flavor boosted meals. It's a whole, is it a whole new kind of ball of wax when you get into augmenting flavors of plants versus flavors of meat? No, not, not really because you can apply the same cooking techniques, you know, the classical cooking techniques of sauteing and braising and roasting, you know, things like that. So, so you're just changing the, the ingredient in which you're applying that cooking method to. So, I mean, you can roast the, the piece of meat or you can roast the, the, the root vegetables. It's the same sort of thing, but with those aromatics and those flavors and those layering of the flavors, you can really build the umami in the vegetable and, and really make that stand out as the star. Kind of fun for chefs, I would think. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Because, you know, it's really, you know, the innovation piece is, is a lot of fun and, and a lot of creating uh, is, is, you know, keeps it, keeps it interesting. <laughs> That's the whole idea. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, how, how does custom culinary help operators achieve all these types of things we've been talking about for their plant forward goals? Well, you know, the great thing about custom culinary is, you know, we have a, a singular mission. And that's to provide food service and food processing professionals with true, real, and authentic flavor solutions, because that's what we do. We create flavor solutions. But everything we do is through that lens of sustainability and making a positive impact on the planet. So one of the things that we've done as a culinary team is we've created a plant-forward cookery service. It's, it's part of our umbrella and our initiative of cooking with custom culinary. And what this service does is it specializes in helping 
chefs and restaurateurs around the country who are looking for the things that we discussed today, those plant forward solutions for their menus. We assist them in the creation of those customer validated, delicious plant forward creations because it has to be delicious in order for it to work. If it's not delicious, nobody's gonna jump in on this, right? So we help them create that. And our, our program is, you know, has several different components. It's the service itself that we offer but it's made up of the innovation piece, which is the fun piece we talked about of creating the new delicious recipes. It has a training component to it. It has marketing support component to it, along with the community support of local farmers who are, are renewing sustainable resources as they grow their produce or local producers. So we like to incorporate those sorts of things in our solutions for those operators. And most importantly, we align everything to the principles of healthy and sustainable menus that, that, that make that delicious food. And all, you know, all this comes down to being true to the food, which is what our mantra is at Custom Culinary, is to be true to the uh, food with those uh, authentic flavor solutions. So that's one of the things that we've come up with to help the operators around the country be successful when it comes to plant forward. I like that, be true to the food. Uh, Michael Hornbuck is Corporate Executive Chef at Custom Culinary, and he's been our tour guide today. Through this walk through the vegetable patch for limited service restaurateurs, I've learned a lot, I know, and I'm sure all our listeners have taken away some great ideas and inspiration too, so thank you, Michael. Oh, you're welcome, Shelley. And that takes us to the end of today's podcast, but I sincerely hope you will check out the next edition of the QSR web podcast for more news. Until then, here's to wishing you the best business possible. And of course, lots of good eats. Bye now.